Hello and welcome to the second ordinary meeting of the 172nd session of the Queen's University of Belfast Literary and Scientific Society. So thank you for everyone for turning out to our debate today for uh, this house to be billionaire should not exist. Uh, we've got some great things coming up this year, this uh, semester, even with COVID. So we're really happy to see that the society still retains that big group of support. So thank you, everyone, for coming. Uh, so I'd just like to start uh, with a few announcements. So first announcement is uh, on behalf of Ryan Owey, our event staff listener, uh, who hosted the live stream of the first US presidential debate, uh, which was a charity fundraiser for the Welcome Organization. And Ryan, how much did we raise the other night? Uh, £213,000. £213,000, thank you, right. And uh, whilst, we're, whilst we're on the topic of, uh, of announcements, I'd just like every council member present just to uh, introduce yourself to so just stand up. So, right here we are, right, self-assert. Uh, Emily Monroe. Our internal convener, Laura Armstrong, our Irish officer, Michael Sullivan, the secretary, uh, Yasmin Sparks, the external convener, Jay Radcliffe, the man that makes all the tech happen, uh, Tira Chisholm, our, uh, our treasurer, and of course, Bonnie, our training officer. Now, Bonnie, I think, has got an announcement, so do you want to come up here to give your announcement, or do you want to do it from there? So the announcement is that on next Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday. Wednesday at 6pm, we have a training session for all freshers and people that want to refresh, get back into debating. So if anyone would like to go to that event, details will be posted on the Facebook page or they can speak to Tony after. So that's great. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. So the first... Um, matter of business is the appointment of uh, Martin Graves uh, to the Trust of the Society. Um, the Council has approved this appointment, so it does need to go to the House. I'm happy to let anyone speak on it if they wish to. No? Okay, great. So I uh, have a motion for the House. So uh, the motion is that this House appoints Martin Graves to the Trust of the Literary Committee. All those in favour say aye. All those against say nay. All those abstaining say nay. Good, great. It's fine. Unanimous. Um, so now it turns to the agenda. So I'd like to invite um, our secretary, uh, Mr. Matthew Sullivan, to give the minutes for last week's survey.
On the 24th of September 2020, the Literary and Scientific Society of Queen's University Belfast convened for its first ordinary meeting with the new academic year. The meeting opened with announcements from President Matt Lee. It was announced that the Society's charity for the year would be the Welcome Organization, Belfast-based charity dedicated to helping those affected by homelessness, a decision which was ratified unanimously by the House. This was followed by the reading of the minutes by yours truly, followed by President's questions, and then by the members' business. We had items as private members' business on the necessity of a second lockdown, the effects of Brexit on Friday agreements, and whether or not the UK had reached international law, and the death of Supreme Court Justice Madeline Ginsburg. Though the prior opinion was held, six votes was proposition, five votes was proposition, and one abstention, meaning the proposition had it, and the debate began with the notion that this was deeply the religion's interests of the First speaker of the proposition was Ali Law, who made the point that societies have intentionally tried to remove religion from their moral frameworks have actually been bad societies, giving the examples of Hitler's Germany and Stalin's Soviet Union. He argued that the core principles of religion were kindness and compassion, and gave further examples of important historical figures whose religious beliefs inspired the corpus. First speaker of the opposition was Alton McSparrow. Alton put forth the arguments that religious institutions are hypocritical and often fail to adhere to the morals they expose, giving the example of the early modern Catholic Church granting divorces to monarchs. He additionally stated that religion is inherently a poor source of morals because it drives people to do good things only because they'll get into heaven and relies on the fear of divine punishment to keep people alive. Second, the proposition is Umar Ziyan. Umar put forward that religion is the most central and universal pillar of morality for all successive societies. He additionally gave the examples of Christianity and Islam spreading throughout their respective societies and transforming them for the bad. Second, to speak to the opposition, was Callum Honolulu. He argued that we can get a variety of resources other than religious teachings, stating that religion is a tool like any other, and just as a hammer used to dash people over the head as a force of evil, so too is religion used as a force for evil throughout history. Speaking finally for the proposition is Mark Gilmore, who forward three main points that religion is the most important moral framework we have, that it is impossible to truly create a moral framework outside it and that perversions of religious beliefs skewed at evil cannot be considered representative of religion as a whole. Speaking third for the opposition, including the famous Julian Moore, who stated that the opposition did not have to prove that religion was wholly a bad thing, just that religion is not, on the whole, a force for good. She argued that religion brings extremists because it teaches that the alternative to following all of its tenets is to the hell. She stated that the proposition had failed to prove that religion was a force for good. Questions were heard from Shane Guinness, James Orchard, James Orchard, Anthony McNutt, Ben Cavanaugh, and Jerry Brown. Finally, the vote of speaker ability was held, six votes was a proposition, eight votes were the opposition of four abstentions, meaning that the motion on this House to the exclusion as a force for good was not carried by the House. May I take the minutes to start? Aye. Thank you. Private members' business. So, private members' business is the part of the evening 
where everyone can give their say on any issues related to current affairs or something that they've spotted and um, wish to gauge House's opinion on. So does anyone have any pieces of private members business that they wish to raise? Yes, could you say it to me in the minutes, please? And shout. <laughs> <laughs>
in the world right now. Uh, I have COVID, COVID, lockdown. Uh, do we think that the government's approach lockdown is uh, and continues to be the appropriate response? Yes, could you please shout and state your name for the minutes? It was maybe an option to buy us time to build up NHS capacity, but now we seem to be holding out hope that we can live in this limbo until a vaccine comes along, which is at best not going to be the next spring. The shortest it's ever been to get a vaccine was for Ebola, which took nearly five years. And even with flu, for which we have a vaccine, it only works in about 50% of cases. So I think at some point or later, we're going to have to bite the bullet and might as well be now. They don't want to respond to that point. Yes, thank you very for the minutes. Yes, we are on. Uh, I want to agree with uh, everything that uh, the former speaker had to say. Uh, but I'd also like to add that the person uh, who's paid large sums of money, I heard, to oppose the government and lead Her Majesty's opposition to uh, Her Majesty's government has been absolutely. Bringing that very point forward and uh, actually addressing uh, the government's lockdown, new lockdown approach. Is there any further points on this or another piece of private members' business? Uh, yes, thank you very much for this. How's it going? We've got another piece of private members' business. Um, it's recently, this morning actually, the Irish Supreme Court ruled that. Subway's bread <laughs> as bread because it contains too much sugar. In fact, it can't even be classified as a as a healthy food substance. I don't know what people's thoughts are on that. Personally, it is food. I agree. It's the best. So I'll go to Mr. Rabbit. You worked at Subway for a few years. I did it. They. I will let you know how they make the bread. How they make the bread. <laughs> <laughs> So it comes in a box, frozen, and then we take it out the night before, put it in a, what's called a retarder, which is like a big metal box, and then we leave it in the fridge overnight, and then, it, and then in the morning we come in and put it in a proof and it proofs up, and then we put it in the oven and then it's baked. So that's how they make Subway bread. I didn't know what ingredients was in it, um, but I mostly actually started to eat salads when I was at Subway anyway, because they're healthy. Any final comments on the Subway scandal? Uh, yes, Mr.
something like that. I would really feel right. No. So it is bread and just accept it as bread and move on. And this is something that we should accept. So yeah. I see a wandering James Orchard outside, so could someone grab it at us? Come in! Any further comments on this somewhere about it? Yes, Emily Monroe. I 
the total for the girl, whether it's me or not, like, whether it be lit to or not, I would go to her. If I were nice to approach my mom, to follow me and some all day, I'm going to get like a girl and walk or something. So, even as like young kids, it's our gut instinct to want to use the world and the to enrich the lives of the planets, to look out for people other than ourselves. So, to further the analogy, think of billionaires as the lottery winners of life, the lottery winners of capitalism. Think of all the things that we do to help the world in general. I'm sure the opposition will try to say, it's real hard on cash, they don't have to spend that on the but the truth is that we do have to live in a society in which people other than ourselves exist. And we do have an obligation to them because they're actually impacting us. Thank you. Um, so let me explore the context to a priority. Estimates for entering global knowledge shipping on average sort of um, cover about 7 billion dollars per year. According to Forbes in 2020, the combined net worth of the world's billionaires is 8 trillion. That's 8,000 billion dollars. So suddenly, 7 billion seems like just a drop in the water, right? Like it's not a lot. But no one wants to part with this cash. A world where no one is hungry is within our reach. On that point? Except for the fact that the girls just don't seem to have. If you allow for the continued existence of billionaires based on their potential to be charitable, but they never follow through, then what's the point? So, I know a few people right now are thinking like, what are the billionaires? Um, how do we try to like, if most of the money away for your foundation? Frankly, it's not that simple, and a lot less straight than that. Um, First of all, we need to address this human cost of how you are going to get to the in the first place. So, first of all, he was caught in a blatant violation of the antitrust laws by offering internet explorers a building rival on the list. And then, secondly, use that monopolizing power to stop all potential competition for this trading and building. On that point? No, thanks. He used shady hiring practices to avoid having to pay for essential benefits like health care to his employees. And even though he could get a permanent position for overall deferred money, that doesn't seem fair. Microsoft worked on an AR modeling software, developers were told that it would be used to help surgeons, architects, engineers. Things like a mobile experience, except for Microsoft turned around and sold it to the US military for hundreds of billions of dollars. Um, sure, our favorite billionaire girl was in fact working at Microsoft at the time. But, and this is the fact, he was a massive shareholder of the company and therefore he did not stop the decision. So, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which I'm sure we will have seen that as a It's frankly the perfect illustration of the policy in China. 
one of the key um, famous goals of events about the is to eradicate the Which one's not the same as the doesn't want to get rid of the But what they're calling is called the Montana. It's the point in which it's massive financial environment. It's part of that the first speaker for the opposition. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You've already helped me throw the first course of the economically illiterate banquet, which was propositions is kept serving you tonight, and was laced with the bitter voices of resentment with the permeation of argument. They talked so much about ending malnutrition, but they didn't overlook the fact that we made great leaps and bounds forward on this in the past decades. 200 years ago, in the 1820s, 94% of the world's population lived in extreme poverty. By 1990, that had dropped to 33%. Today, it's only 11%. And why does that happen? It isn't because of increased wealth redistribution, but rather wealth creation. And in their ignorance of this key fact, they're overlooking the fact that the best way to take out poverty is to make better use of our resources we have available to us, as opposed to simply stealing from the rich to give to the poor, as some sort of pretend we will rather lose. But anyway, not only maybe okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I recently, well, over the summer, read something quite interesting on that, and it was that the poverty line, as in terms of actual poverty, has not been reducing. Simply, the means that's used to measure poverty have been changing by institutions such as the World Bank. Therefore, poverty has actually remained the same over that time period. Well, actually, this measurement is the same as the extreme poverty that is measurement is defined in the amount of people who live with just the current prices. On two dollars a day, ninety-four percent of people at two dollars a day did live on that in eighteen twenty. Only eleven percent of days is no distribution of different measurements there. But also, uh, rather than making a point later about the moral right that these billionaires have to their wealth, 
But there's another factor as well, and if we all give you that benefits to this well, through the jobs that they create, through the philanthropy, through the key role in advancing new technologies as well, and they already do contribute to that in mankind. The truth is that the super rates are massively beneficial for the economy, and the forest economy is vital for the maintenance and improvement of our education system, our transport infrastructure, and our NHS. In Britain, the richest 1% pay 28% of all income tax. This is to everyone's benefit. It is also delusional to expect these super contributors to stay in Britain if we can't put the hand in it. I believe that we are agreed with the proposition that taxation is not acceptable. But the idea that by imposing eye-watering tax rates on those who are already the biggest contributors, we can improve a lot of what we deal is frankly delusional. There exists a basic economic principle known as the Laffer curve, which holds that tax rate of 0% will obviously bring in zero tax takings, whilst the savings group tax rate of 100% of taking up loans in it to be productive. The dilemma is that it's extremely difficult to find a sweet spot on the curve which maximizes tax revenue. However, the lessons of history have shown uh, that, for example, in the United Kingdom after 2010, the tax cuts actually invigorates the economy and actually result in larger tax savings. A property comes from the public sector requires a property comes from the private sector to keep it afloat. And by the way, not allowing bitterness, self-righteous handling to destroy the benefits of what I already did on the big basis. Yes, of course. Thank Science and technology. 
Earlier this year, NASA was able to send astronauts into space without using a Russian Soyuz rocket for the first time since the retirement of the space shuttle in 2011. However, the ship that carried the crew dragon Daniel 2 was not developed by NASA, but rather by engineer Elon Musk's company SpaceX. And those mounted on the Falcon 9 rocket were also developed by SpaceX, which has the rare feature of being partially reusable. Yes. SpaceX receives almost $5 billion in funding from the U.S. government alone each year. How does taxing people not contribute to these developments, rather than exclusively putting the accomplishments on an individual billionaire? Well, the idea of government was giving support to private banks as far as the youth happens throughout the world and it has done for a long time. The U.S. government views this as an investment. It brings serious jobs, brings new jobs. It's cheaper for them to give this five million to invest in their own spacecraft, and they view it as, as an investment rather than throwing good money after bad. And SpaceX is not alone in its new space race. The competition from Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic and Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin, which aims to turn humans to the moon by 2024. Here again, we see the ability of billionaires to push the boundaries of what mankind can do right to the final frontier, to infinity and beyond, if you will. Ladies and gentlemen, let us celebrate those of us who fund our public services, who take us further, higher, and faster than we ever think possible, who with a bright idea, tireless dedication, and yes, a little luck along the way, managed to go from selling soft drinks through the door or books out the garage, bringing literacy and clean water children after them, or putting the next generation of men and women on the moon. And let us celebrate rather than curse the fact that this is possible and that it happens. Do not be swayed by dangerous utopian fantasies and do not be fueled by resentment, consumed by the big eye monster. The spur of enemy can destroy, but it can never build. And that is why we must vote with the opposition this evening. Thank you. So I invite the second speaker for the proposition, uh, Yasmin Sparks. If 
place in order to pull this fast and so I think people just celebrate their entrepreneurial spirit and their efforts rather than the writing. I'm trying to make it out of the that they believe they're involved with. Yeah. Thank you for your call. Um, okay, I'll take your Your 
they separated themselves from the rest of us with the really rich and mobile people on um, everyone else in the other. And for example, Trump on his recent talk to the as Donald Trump's driver and program in the news recently, is that like, the fact that we all have to pay tax here, we'll have to pay it one day, and then he's never get away with not paying tax or claiming some of the company just because you can move, because just because you can move your money around to different companies doesn't mean that it's okay and that you should be able to do it because normal people can't just move their money around. And, no. Uh, we work, so, Normally we work for people like Trump who make all the money from all of like, people's hard work. Trump also who has money in his paycheck and so set a good example for you guys to go without setting another story altogether. Um, when, when people like Trump don't pay the full net or nearly up at the top, Trump is in a position of power and is setting um, the rules for the fact that he's like paying his US tax because he's in a powerful position to show the richer boy is people in power. Therefore, it's not fair. It should it's just not right altogether. Um, so basically the rich face no real consequences and this reinforces that when you're rich and four billionaire you can't get away because with it because you're rich and money solves your problems. And it shouldn't be one more for the rich, one more for the rest. So in conclusion, they basically do nothing for society, they don't have any tax, don't treat the workers fair. It's not as legal, but it doesn't mean it's right. Um, I hope through this I show the billionaires and narcissistic, selfish and greedy and should not exist and we could be better off in society without them. Um, they don't help any of us in the end. Thank you. Second opposition speaker, Shane McGuinness. Hello, can you all hear me that Okay, so the uh, first speaker, she criticised Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft. I'd like to point to her what does she use to write her essays on at the university. I use Microsoft Word personally, and I'm many of you use Microsoft Word as well. The first thing you also said, billionaires win the lottery of life. Well, um, how do you explain 70% of billionaires being self-made? They worked their arses to get where they were, they didn't win the lottery of life. The second speaker mentions, uh, I'm glad she mentioned Amazon and Jeff Bezos because I've got a story, big story to tell her. So, I'm going to tell you guys a bit about my dad. My dad, like so many Irishmen and women too, they went to England in search of work. He landed in East London in the 90s, going from job to job, doing anything he could so he could put food on the table for my older brother. He never looked down on any job, my dad, whether that be working in the local Tesco's or scaffolding at building site down the road. He did whatever he could. It was really after him being first in his family to move from a small town in Donegal to one of the largest and most competitive cities in Europe. Along came the 2000s. Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, was doing a talk in London, reaching out to working class communities, 
talking about the new opportunities he's had and his new company. So my dad, limited prospects, decided to turn up to the talk and hear what this rich fellow had to say. And by the end of the week, my dad had applied and successfully got a job as a warehouse operator, earning more money than he ever could. Enjoying what he was doing because he knew he was part of something bigger than himself. No objection? No objection. Over the years, he spent working for Amazon. My dad managed to climb the career ladder, moving on to better and better things, ensuring that me and my brothers got a good education and that we don't have to say that we don't have the same instability and insecurities that he once felt when he was growing up. My point is that without Amazon, a billionaire company creating those jobs and reaching out to working class communities, I wouldn't be here at a Los University talking to you guys today. It is through these massive companies, well thank you. It is through these massive companies that people can escape the poverty cycle. I know friends of mine back home in London where their grandfather, their father, and they themselves have never worked a day in their life. Billionaire companies with their job creation schemes help to put an end to this poverty cycle. They are part of the solution and not the problem. Some might say they are doing work which the government should be doing. So you should be targeting the annual towards governments, not billionaires. For example, Tesla, founded by Elon Musk, He's another, he's another example of this. His company is leading the world in the manufacturing and production of electric cars, setting up new environmental gigafactories in record speed. The proposition should be supporting this, supporting this entrepreneurial spirit, not condoning it. Moving on. These evil billionaires create products that we all use and that we all love. How many of you have used Facebook, Netflix, Amazon Prime? How many of us have bought nice Nike trainers or nice Adidas tracksuits or other brand Imagine what lockdown would have been if you couldn't watch your favorite Netflix show. Would have been miserable. Uh, what would it have been like if you couldn't order stuff that you really needed from Amazon? Would the proposition abolish billionaire companies that produce surgical masks and medical equipment that we all need and that our NHS so desperately needs during this pandemic? This debate is on whether billionaires should exist or not. And the proposition doesn't get to decide which billionaires or which billionaire companies they used to keep and which ones they want to get rid of. There can be no cherry picking when it comes to society. Ultimately, this debate can be summarized as follows. The proposition wants to limit people's potential. Our side wants to enable it. The proposition blames billionaires for poverty. Uh, for, for poverty. We blame governments. The proposition 
wants our economy to go down under. This opposition wants our economy to thrive. I asked this house this evening, if you value economic liberty, if you value the freedom to choose what you want to buy, if you value your quality of life, please vote for us in the cause of this motion that limits all the above. Now, I'll be open to any personal information that you guys have. Yes. Never get out. How can we say that we live in America? 
society. This also demonstrates that the coming of billionaire is unobtainable for such a large portion of society. If it's unobtainable, how can we say that we live in a meritocratic society when billionaires exist? Billionaires, if we want to be able to create needs that people can achieve, billionaires should not exist in a society where it's a meritocratic society to be living right. Another point I'd like to make is on in regards to corporate tax. 19% is what the rate is at for corporate tax on the profits of billionaire businesses. Compare this to 20% income tax for people whose money is over £12,501. This means that this means that businesses, big billionaire businesses, are being taxed less for the profits they make than what people are bringing in to survive. How can we say that we live in a meritocratic society where billionaires are allowed to profit and are allowed to afford wealth while working class aren't even allowed to save money to get out of their social situation? This creates, this creates um, inequalities in our society. Palm showed that you're seven times more likely to be in poverty if you're an ethnic minority. Because of this inequality in our system, because billionaires are allowed to hold their wealth, keep hold of all their wealth, these people are in no position to be able to collect money, to, be, to gain more power over their freedoms, over their social freedoms. Another thing I'd like to point out is in the 2008 financial crisis, when laws were put in place uh, that we were thinking of as austerity. The working class, people who are a little compared to billionaires, are the ones who pay for it. And due to that, as shown in the Poverty in UK Statistics Report, has increased. The amount of people in absolute poverty has increased. Billionaires, on the other hand, as shown in the Wealth Ex-Billionaires Report, have not being reduced, actually in some places such as America during the 2008 crisis, actually increased their wealth. There are 700 billionaires living in America right now. They have, in total, between them, $3 trillion worth of wealth. This is more than the age of nation in Europe. This shows that wealth is not being distributed. Billionaires aren't putting back in the system. If billionaires were a vast contributor to our society, then they wouldn't have more money than the countries, all those countries combined. This shows that billionaires are a symptom of a failing system, a rigged system. And if you're all striving for a fair society, then we cannot support billionaires. Problem, root problem itself. Uh, another point is 
we would be able to have a better worker rights because it would be welcome to be more distributed and controlled. So we would be able to fight for these rights and sort of put it on an individual person's ability to do this. It would also remove immunity that people feel that billionaires aren't being punished for the atrocities that they commit. It also shows that the economic and social impact on our systems end up worse off because billionaires exist. I hope with these points I can convince you to side with the opposition that the billionaires should not exist in Thank you. Like to make 
make sure that the opposition knows that you can actually participate in society while wanting to change it somewhat? Because I feel like that point is kind of been missing a lot of what has been said so far. Not at all. What I'm saying is that the wealth shows that because people have wanted to uh, part with their money to uh, uh, consume your services, that he's provided something valuable to society and that the law is actually accumulated shows that he's actually providing more to society. Um, now, I would accept that some billionaires have gained their wealth through plunder. When the US government, and I kind of disagree with some points made on my own side about how uh, when the US government gained 10 to 2 billion pounds tax day subsidies, he was not most became rich. But the difference here is that it used the coercive power of the state to become wealthy, not the voluntary transactions in the market. So uh, this is somewhat. But this does not prove that billionaires should not exist, but rather that corporate welfare should not exist. The way in which their wealth was made matters a hell of a lot more. Uh, the level of their wealth. What the basic argument of the proposition comes down to is this simple question of, of the proposition. Why should these people have so much when others have so little? But, and this is really the question to ask, the situation seems unfair looking at it. But what it is, is it's the incredible power of the free enterprise system to alleviate poverty. The innovation created by the profit motors to literally billions of people out of abject poverty. When our grandparents were born, nearly 80% of the world population lived in extreme poverty. By the time our parents were born, it fallen 60%. When we were born, it had fallen to the first percent. And today, less than 80% of the world population lives in extreme poverty. What caused this extraordinary transformation of the living standards of literally billions of people? Now, with UAA programs, welfare state, all of those things are essential. We had that point made before that what seven billion pounds would eliminate malnutrition worldwide. Well, how much money have we spent literally trillions to alleviate um, poverty worldwide? No, it was the spread of free trade, property rights, and the innovations produced by the entrepreneurs. Of course, one of the byproducts of this was the creation of an ultra-wealthy class of society. But do not fall for the simplistic inclusions of the proposition. Uh, ask yourself this, would you still want to get rid of billionaires, even if it made millions of your fellow citizens worth off? Worth off? Because billionaires don't just get their money and stick it under the mattress. As has already been said, most of their wealth is held in the stock market. Banks use their money of the ultra-wealthy to invest in startups and small businesses. Their capital serves the purpose of society. Lots of your parents will save money towards a pension, and their pension funds are probably invested in the stock market. If you try to confiscate the wealth of the super-rich, the value of their shares would crash. And all three people, like your parents, would lose money. So I urge you to reevaluate your support for the proposition that I noticed called the vote priority. Um, yes, it may seem fair, but let's focus on lifting up those at the bottom and not putting down those at the top. Don't side with their blind utopianism. Don't accept 
their simplistic conclusions. Thinking about the practical implications of what they are proposing, I urge you to vote with the opposition. Billionaires didn't exist, and this system didn't exist. And then, uh, 
we wouldn't have such a divide in uh, profits between people. Thank you. And our opposition to respond, can the uh, proposition and opposition keep their responses quite brief because we're running out of time? Um, so, to respond to the point of, so basically the point that the final speaker of the uh, opposition made in her speech was that because uh, she, she took the, the corporation tax rate compared to the income tax rate, the problem with doing this is that there are a whole bunch of other taxes that businesses pay VAT, payroll taxes, business rates. Um, so they also pay a lot more. And the, the thing is, when we reduced corporation tax from 28% to 19%, the revenue that actually came from spurring the innovation, spurring the growth, actually raised more money than when the rate was at 28%. So just simply looking at it and saying it's lower, one, it's not because of all the other taxes the business is paying. And two, we actually raised more money from the low rate than the Thank you. So as a question to the Opposition. Yes, could you shout your name for the minutes? My name is Daniel Singleton. My question is the opposition argues that billionaires uh, should exist and are good for society because they use their wealth to promote society again. However, if you look at the 2008 housing crisis, this was caused explicitly by the rich not looking into where they Yeah, if the proposition can pay. Yeah. So, um, I don't think this is an issue about overhaul of society. I just like, I disagree with the 
get myself with you as well. I know things are a bit different at the moment and I really appreciate you sticking with us and thanks especially to the Queen Security who stayed here and listened to uh, some quite interesting speeches. So, Thank you. This house is 